Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of Turn Out of Punk Footnotes. Why is it special? Because I'm hot off a plane, hot off a tour. Uh, my voice is hoarse, and I'm a little worn out. And Chris is hot of a out mo- of a movie theater, and his uh, he- he's tired as well. So it's a special one. <laughs> We're gonna cut to the chase and trim the fat this week, right, Chris? Sounds good. Sounds good, man. Let's try to do the Ramones bit here. Yeah, we're going to try and do the Ramones bit this time, for real. Uh, but how are you doing otherwise before? We can't be rude. So how are you doing otherwise? <laughs> we just say one, two, three, four, and then we go in. Um, no, I'm good. Uh, I don't know. The usual. I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm usually the same, so I don't know what to, uh, to answer that with. <laughs> well, that's, that's good I'm fine. How are you? Uh well, you know, good. Uh, tour was good. Uh, a lot of fun. Thank you to everyone, everyone that came up and talked to me about this podcast in particular, but Turn It a Punk in general or an Oil of Flowers or Clobbering Time or any of the other podcasts. But, you know, a lot of people, Chris, came up and had very kind words to say about this podcast. That's cool, man. It's good yeah. to hear. So I'm passing them on to you too, buddy. Passing them on to you. A couple of people that write in, a couple of people that, you know, you know, it was a, it was a fun, fun thing to have happen after the shows when I'm talking to people, have people come up and talk to me about Turned Out of Punk. Yeah, no, that I, uh, we received, uh, a few things too that have trickled in, which we're not going to get to this week likely, but, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm feeling the appreciation, uh, but I think you should be more, do the credit than me. Uh, oh, I'll say it again, but, buddy, uh, come on! You're too you're too modest. So this is this is an equal <laughs> this is an equal show. This is us together, united. All right, all right, uh, all right. Sounds good. But this week we have to get to no mailbag. We're not going to do the mailbag this week because unfortunately, we're going to try and do this one uh, quick, just so we can have a record of the awesomeness. Ness, that was the Alisa and Doyle podcast from this past week. Yes, and we will always get to the messages at you know various points, so it's not yes. like those will be lost. We're gonna we're gonna get to all those topics uh, here and and there as they come. Yeah, and in the meantime, please send in more mail. So next week we'll do you know tons and tons and tons of mail to celebrate Jonah Falco's episode. Um, so where? <laughs> How do they send us that ma- sweet, sweet mail, Chris? Yes, it's footnotes at gmail.com. And uh, if it's the Jonah week, I recommend everyone send in stuff about uh, football, i.e. soccer, and uh, Italian things. So we can just talk about that the whole week. Uh, yeah, so we can talk about <laughs> some of Jonah's many facades. That he puts up. <laughs> you know, it, it, is an, it is a super fun episode. It's crazy long. It's going to be like two hours long in total. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's it, I, it's recorded over two continents. You know, we recorded part of it in North America and part of it in Europe. So very, nice. very different feels to the two parts, too. There's a cameo, Chris, there as well. It's It's a fun... It's a fun one next week, but that's next week. Cool, so, man. So, yeah, send in those uh, emails about that. Also, send in your list of your top uh, 10 inches of all time because we're compiling a list of the best 10-inch 
the much maligned format for vinyl lovers, the 10 inch record. Yeah. As well as uh, best comps, which we will get to, but likely around Christmas time. Best comps around, yeah, the holidays. It'll be like a a very, it'll be something you can open under whatever holiday you celebrate, whatever holiday that is, is device that you put (laughs) presents under. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, Chris, on to today's show, uh, you, I want you to get your plugs out of the way though. Quick, you're playing. Oh. You're playing live. Oh yeah, I guess I got to talk about this. We got to talk about all the big gigs that are coming up this week. I will be performing at Sound on Sound, doing a live turned out a punk. So I guess it's not really performing, but uh, please come and check it out. We'll have lots of cool guests. We'll have some cool cameos. It'll be a fun fun time had by all so uh that'll be there on saturday at the sound on sound festival on the i believe it's on the comedy podcast stage uh yeah i think it's separated into something like that yeah but there's like amazing acts playing on this thing youth of today uh like doing the 88 lineup there's uh like uh i'm trying to remember who else is on my day Beach House, Purity Ring, Flag, uh, Dead Milkman, uh, Wild Nothing. You know, there's like tons of amazing stuff. Um, yeah, I'm looking up your day. Yours is on the Saturday? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to see how they have it separated on the website here. It's difficult to, to discern. Um, hmm. Anyway, I also noticed that Girls Against Boys are playing, which makes me very happy as well. Yeah. Uh, yep. Oh, so you are, yes, you're on the Globe stage, it says, and uh, Tim Heidecker is also on that, uh, trying to zoom in here, it's difficult to see, but anyway, there's a bunch of good stuff, and then bands, uh, of course, tons of bands. Yeah, tons of great bands playing, tons of tons of fun stuff, Todd Berry's playing as well, um, so yeah, you can go check that out, and then also, Turn Out a Punk is going on tour in December. Uh, first of all, on December the 12th, playing the Great Scott in Massachusetts, Allison, Massachusetts, then the Black Hat the next day on December the 13th in Washington, D.C., then Johnny Brenda's in Philadelphia on December 14th, and Rough Trade in Brooklyn, New York on December the 15th, Thursday. And you can get tickets for that over at DamienAbraham.com. So buy tickets for those because there's going to be guests being announced soon, and... I don't know, Chris. Fingers crossed. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you and me might be going on the road again, reliving the great, <laughs> the great hang at Dave Bird's house. <laughs> yeah, whatever. What would that equivalent be in 2016? That would be a curious one. Uh, hanging out at um, Dave Bird's house because I saw him a couple weeks ago at the Descendants show and brought it up, and he said, "You guys can come over anytime and buy records." So amazing. <laughs> the only will, problem is that I have way less money than I did then, so I don't. Yeah, but you'll be on happen. tour, Chris. You'll be making money. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll see. I, I think it's a it's a it's an if, so I can't make any promises. But yeah, we shall see. Well, we're working towards that. We're working towards Chris coming on the tour as well because that would be super fun. Um, so that those yeah, please head over to DamienAbraham.com. There's a uh, tour taupe live tab that you can click on and buy tickets to those. Cause we will have a good time. I promise you. I really will try to make sure of that. 
and uh, and hopefully merch, a uh, merch and uh, other fun stuff. So that and uh, well, I'm trying to think what else to plug. Find me on all sorts of social media at Damien. Go over to Facebook.com and check out the Turned Out of Punk Facebook page. We post all sorts of cool stuff that gets sent into the show, and it's run by my brother and kind of uh, a producer of this week's episode, Tristan Abraham. Yeah, great you know, job. Helping helping this Doyle thing come together. Doyle and Elisa's thing to come to get come together. So, Chris, cool. Let's dive in. Uh, what would you th- like to take as the first point? <laughs> Actually, Chris, can I go for the first point? Dude, go. Yeah, I don't know why you're throwing to me for this one on the first point. Go okay, on. very first point. Uh, I guess I should set up this podcast, too, and what it was like, the whole experience. Um, yeah. I, it all came together because uh, uh, Elisa's sister, Jasmine, is in the band No Joy, and I've, someone I've become friends with over the years, playing with her and her other band, Bad Flirt, and and. and you know, all sorts of things and had no idea, no idea that her sister was the lead singer of Arch Enemy. You know, I knew Arch Enemy had a, brought in a new singer a couple years ago and she was from Montreal. Never put it together that it was the, they were related. And then, you know, my brother told me and then Garland, my cousin who plays in No Joy, Tristan and Jasmine all work together conspired to make this whole thing happen and convince them both to very graciously come over to my hotel when I was in Montreal playing some shows with fucked up and record this podcast for one of the more, uh, interesting, (laughs) uh, mixes of guests I've ever had. So this is one of the more fascinating episodes to me of this podcast because two people with the only bond is love really. (laughs) <laughs> I thought it was a good um, – it, it sh- what I thought from a listening standpoint is that you're going to obviously get the Misfits fans listening to it, but you're also going to get a whole segment of people pro- like into Arch Enemy or that whole sort of avenue of metal that might check it out just for that as well. And they might, they might be turned on to something, hopefully, uh, as I've always attested that metal is kind of the gateway drug to punk, in my opinion, at least for young people. Uh, as was my experience, so hopefully that not Doyle's though, really. <laughs> <laughs> True, yeah, it's like reverse. <laughs> yeah, really didn't like it. Uh, but uh, yeah, guests like to jump right in. I want to start off with my first point, which is the Misfits are the greatest <laughs> punk band of all time, <laughs> slash, not at all a punk band. <laughs> I really like the way you put that. I was I was starting to get very troubled by your opening <laughs> statement. I'm not going to lie, and then it then it corrected itself in my view. Um, but okay. they're like well, two. They're two. You know, I don't want to say good, but two put together for punk. But also at the same time, because they are a punk band, they are the most you know idealized form of the genre. I think you are you are putting what exactly the way you put it is is, is well said. I do not agree with it, but <laughs> I, I think it's 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 a well it's a way to say that and it not come off, uh, you know, 
thing I don't enjoy hearing. So I like the way you put it. I sort of my how diplomatic, Chris. How very diplomatic. I don't have a qualm with them as a band. Like they're definitely. What's that? How very diplomatic of you. Well, it's it's like I I don't know you know the audience who listens regularly knows my position on yes, this yes. particular group uh, and so again it's not to say actually that I don't like the Misfits it's not accurate I, I I like Misfits songs fine but I've never been like a fan of the band as a whole so to speak so I'm probably the wrong person to ask to sort of you know You're like Elisa. analyze. Yeah, actually, yeah. That that's one part of the the interview that I was really fond of is that it made me like the interview more, knowing that, you know, that she was not interested in the Misfits either, and it made me, kind of like, dig the fact that he was with someone who didn't really wasn't really into what he was doing in that respect, or didn't like put him on a pedestal for being in that group or something. I thought that was kind of a neat uh, uh, scenario. But um, regarding the punk, I think your statement about them being the greatest punk band. It's definitely like, I, I don't feel that way, but I definitely, I think you would probably have a good majority of people who would probably agree with you on that statement. Uh, I do think, though, you saying that at the same time, they're sort of not a punk band simultaneously, I think is probably, at least in the full trajectory of their career, probably a more accurate statement. So... I don't, yeah, I don't know where to stand on this. Definitely for me, they're not. But for me, uh, the the most perfect punk band, meaning. Um, but, but they're, they're a damn like, good one. They're I like the argue. Damned and the Ramones put together and given steroids. Right? Like, <laughs> like you know, and I don't you know. I, and I mean that in like all the, and I mean that like, you know, exactly that. Like, you know, with, with all the health risks in, involved in steroid usage. You know, <laughs> I, I what I'm talking about is is uh, you're not. That's a very well put. Again, I, I for me, it's like um, I guess what I would say is I think the Ramones have as equally, and in my view, a greater fully realized band cohesive vision from the get go. So, despite the Misfits being definitely a, a very spot on group, like as far as what they were into and what they kind of hit home and how they become iconic. There's no argument that they're definitely in the most notorious and probably the you know top five greatest, if not the greatest, by your view at least. But uh, for me, the band like the Ramones would be one I would choose personally over them. Or even uh, I would even argue Black Flag. A lot of these groups, though, who've had these long lives, have have like sort of changed a bit of their trajectory a bit for me. I think. Ramones, I would compare more to the Misfits in the sense that I feel that late Ramones is a lot stronger than a late Misfits. So I think I the Ramones like, are the great. Late Misfits is like Earth AD. No, I'm talking like reformed late, oh, late Misfits. Yeah, but here. like, oh. I'm not counting that. I can't like, because that, like, okay. Okay. you know, like that, you know, like, you know, the, it obviously has artistic merits and, and that those records are, are cool on their own. But I'm saying like, as this like original sort of like trio, you know, it's actually really a duo. And I think Doyle is, is kind of like the product of, of Jerry only and Danzig's friendship from the sounds of it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think that's me. I think that that story was interesting because I didn't know that personally. So mm -hmm. I think that's, that was interesting. Yeah. And it's just like, this is the, this, this group, like this nucleus, created something that is ultimately 
somehow greater than punk and you know but and also at times not at all related to it yeah i think that's a very fair statement i think part of though that is the sort of that the members of that group at least from like the perspective of looking at someone like danzig you know it's he's sort of his trajectory he's transcended this whole thing like he's mm-hmm. more known to a lot of people outside who aren't interested in punk rock as like this sort of metal guy or i don't know what you would call what he is he's such kind of like a a jack of all trades musically in many respects i think um but yeah i don't know he's the subject of a character in brain candy (laughs) true exactly And, and that's sort of that's part of the difficulty sort of looking at this band in a really objective way because it's like just even him he's a pop culture figure so automatically you you're not you know you're not uh i don't know it's it's like it's like they get weighed on different they're they're not necessarily weighed strictly on their musical merits or or the song merits or what have you and i think that for me um that's where they're the strongest is just on the musical level on the early period alone I, i'm not so you know i've never been a big cult of personality guy in the sense that i followed like what the members do and what they become and you know all that well i think that's the amazing thing about this band is that for the longest time you know, they don't really do much, right? Like, it's a, like they both, Jerry and Doyle, go back to work in the shop. You know, they do this other <laughs> Which band. is so wild, yeah. Yeah, they do this other band for a minute, and then they eventually just come back and start wanting to play again. And I'm not, I would never hold that against them at all, like, for wanting no, to get that second all. run. And those, those, hey, that's how I got to see the Misfits for the first time. You know, like that, those, those <laughs> yep. and, and those were fun shows to go to. Uh, maybe not when, uh, when Zoli was singing from that time, from Ignite. <laughs> I still think that pairing is very strange. To, I should have asked me. him about it, but I think, I don't know if he was even in the band at that point. Yeah, I don't, again, I've never followed this group closely enough to know like the member changes and whatever. Obviously, I know like the main members, but I don't know when they hop in and out and all that business so but yeah i i find that in like i still don't quite i i guess he just rehearsed i don't know did they have some sort of like like did they know each other before i've never i've always thought that was bizarre that coupling what uh like like how there's only involved i think in ignite was on yeah. tour with the misfits for a moment before oh uh, okay it was just like oh let's just get this guy this guy could do it gotcha yeah because it's just like, you know, different coast, sort of different era of oh, band. Yeah, no, I, just, I never really, never got it, but uh, I never saw them with Zoli. I don't know if you did, so you had seen them or you hadn't? Yeah, they played one time in Toronto with Zoli. And so came, you did see them with that? Yeah. yeah, I never. Yeah, and it was not, and then they came out and they had people in the audience come up and sing songs, and yeah, it was like, you could. it was just after I think Michael Graves, I believe he had to go to prison. If I'm not mistaken, hmm. or had some tangle with the law, and yeah, came up short on that end of that stick or something, and uh, yeah, but it's funny because they're definitely a uh, they're they're one of those bands that I just like, I, you, like when you when you hear some of those songs, you're like, this works in any genre, like this isn't just a good punk song. This is just like an unbelievable song, like you said with the Misfits, and so yeah. I- 
I, think. I do think I do think their songwriting, especially the early songwriting. I, I think the later songwriting isn't quite my bag, but it definitely is. Like, I knew a ton of people into that like comeback record, whatever American Psycho, I think it's called. Um, so you know they, they definitely can write a tune. It's not my bag, but it's you know the early material is certainly very very strong. I can't argue any of that. Yeah. Like some of those songs are. You know, songs that I even really enjoy, even being a guy who is sort of known as being the non-Misfits guy, so to speak. Uh, did you see him on any of the American Psycho shows? I've never, uh, I've never seen them. I've had plenty of opportunities, but I never had. Really, never seen them at all. Never seen them. They even played my area, and I never went. Wow. Okay. Well. Uh, well. Okay. I've seen them. I've seen them many times, but uh, and and let me tell you, Doyle <laughs> is very. Very intimidating on stage. What? Well, I, you know that that vibe of theirs, like it is consistent. I think that's that's a sound vibe. I think my favorite part of the interview is where he mentions the whole like whatever when the band he like I don't know if he said he left the band or the band was was broken up for a minute, whatever it was. When he's just like and I went back to work, and you're like that was cool, and he's like no, it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. Maybe <laughs> very happy on behalf of working people <laughs> that notion but i know why you said that's not you meant it's like commendable that you you didn't just try to like i don't know do some like half-ass thing or whatever and i don't think he perceived that that's what you meant <laughs> no no exactly but, uh, no i don't think there's a lot i think anyway. there was a lot of different a lot of breakdowns in communication i think at various points but I thought that was good. I thought that breakdown actually worked for the best. Like that, it showed. I don't know. I just like people saying that work sucks. It's it's very true and awesome. So I just I appreciated that part of the interview. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that's ultimately why they came back. You know, they like you know they they ultimately hey why not started the band again. Yeah, like I'm not. I never hold that against them. I don't know. I guess do you want to get the next point, Chris, or. Sure. Uh, my point is going to be the hot take point. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I'm curious, curious of your opinion on this. I have, I have a new theory. We come up with theories on the show all the time, or you and I do. And my new theory is that if one, if someone is not a fan of a group, they're the best person to ask what the best stuff that that group that they're not a fan of is. Uh, uh, I uh, go on. Go on. This it's it's definitely reaching. This is my new absurdity. I thought of because I thought as the interview was going on, when um, Doyle mentioned he liked Static Age, was, I think he said it was his favorite. Correct? Yeah, yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And I'm I when he he said it, I was like I agree with that, and I thought that's ironic. I agree with that because I'm not. I wouldn't consider myself a fan of this group. So, but what it made me feel is that. If you're looking for, like, if you're not a fan of the group, you what is actually great speaks to you and, and all the rest of the stuff that you don't fall for, so to speak. I'm not using the Misfits as an example in this instance, but it could be any group. So this is my new wild card theory, is that the people to ask who what the actual best stuff of any group is is actually people either that hate or just don't like the group. And so I feel I'm, a, I'm an authority now in the Misfits, and I can call what the actual best misfit stuff is because i don't have any bias inherently looking at their catalog or their music that's my new take i find most people say static age is their best record most misfits fans 
Like like hardcore fans. Yes, I agree. I don't think that's an uncommon opinion, though. Yeah, and I would say that, though, also, then if you went with most what most non-fans say, that would lead you to probably say that the best Black Flag song is TV Party, because that's the most popular song by them. <laughs> okay, good point. I'm just working off a theory here. Okay. I say it was still a work in progress. I, 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 I and just I'm thought this was crazy. a very Damien... Yeah. I thought I thought this was a very Damien inspired uh, new take, which is that the non fans of bands are the best people to say what the actual best part of the bands they don't like is, as opposed to the biased fans who are maybe a little too blinded. Is my theory anyway? This is you know I just find that amusing. But um, yeah, Static Agent with him, Welcome Among Us is a great record. I'm more with the more with the singles personally, mm-hmm. um, but. Um, a record I've never been a fan of, although I have to admittedly listen to it again because I have not listened to it in probably no less than 20 years. But Earth AD, I have never liked, ever. And uh, curious your opinion on Earth AD. That's the, that's what I want to talk about. Earth AD, Wolf's Blood, whatever the hell. That's my least favorite of the catalog, I would say. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, and then I would count, like, you know, if I'm counting, like, the collection one and two. Or like singles as as you know one thing cohesive thing too, but yeah, like I I know what you're saying because that to me is like certainly the most metal of everything that they, they did, or and and the most like even even the songs that aren't like metallic have that kind of edge to it. Yeah, I like I feel like would you not say too like that's their departure record? Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. I, guess, I, I don't know. I feel like it's revving up to that, you know? Like Static Age to Walk Among Us to that. I mean, it's definitely, it's not like, it's not a, um, a, a traditional departure record in the sense where it seems like, um, like it's a direction shift that's sort of not warranted. It, it seems like it it's, makes sense. But to me, like the earlier stuff is a lot, has a lot more like pop sensibility. The songwriting and the structure, mm-hmm. like I don't hear any of that on Earth AD, which is ironic because I like a lot of really aggressive music, and especially when I was younger, I did. But that record has never spoken to me ever, and I don't know what it is because I think the artwork is actually sick on it. But I'm never, I don't know what it is. Like Green Hell's, you know, a good song, but uh, there's, you know, there's songs on it. But overall, I just, I don't know, man. That record has never done it for me. But yeah. um, anyway, I was curious to your opinion on it. That's all. But you you've filled me in i feel the same way kind of thing too like i would say but you know it's it, it once again their early stuff is just so strong that it's hard to yeah to judge anything against that yeah what do do you have a favorite misfits song uh well i just want to point out something hilarious i just was clicking around the misfits discography and i clicked on the acetate for teenagers of mars for mars how do 12 people <laughs> own an acetate for teenagers from Mars? Would there be, wouldn't there only have been like, what, yeah, like one, one made or would there be more? I guess. I don't know, maybe like a couple. Oh no, it says six acetates exist. Uh, <laughs> and 12 have it. <laughs> and 12 people have it on Discogs. So there are see. some liars. Uh, well, or... Or there's more than there than was advertised, or yeah. bootlegs. Yeah, or bootlegs. But uh, yeah, like I can't see them running off, you know, 
dozens of of acetates. Um, so I think some yeah, of these people might be lying. <laughs> it seems like such a funny thing to lie about. <laughs> like you you have you've added it to your collection online. Like who? Like what? You know what I mean? Like how do you lie about that properly? Like you uh, have to physically to, for it to be impressive. Well, when you're trying to impress people, you're trying to date online, and they ask to see your Discogs page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta. You always gotta ask for like the day's paper and a selfie. Yeah, and the record being held or something. Yeah, exactly. Don't buy anyone saying that they have an acetate teacher's marks. I think if I was to favorite a favorite Misfit song, uh, I, like for old times' sake, I'd say Hate Breeders because that was my first favorite song by them. But if I was going to pick like an, a song uh, now that I'd probably say is my favorite, man, that's hard. Dude, they've got unbelievable songs. Yeah, I, I think I'm looking here just at the early singles of what ones I, I, I like the most. I think I'm tempted to say Where Eagles Dare, but yeah. I also really like Astro. I think it's Astro Zombies and Bad with Song Titles. Is yeah, that it? Yeah, Astro Zombies. Sick too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Really like that song. So, like those for me are my hybrid moments. Go with Last that. caress is it, lyrics yeah. are sketchy as fuck, but like the music's incredible <laughs> and the and the vocal melodies are ridiculous. Yeah, I turned into a Martian is also a great one too. Um, yeah, it's I don't know. Anyway, I was just curious about that, but I think we're on the same page as far as liking the material. It's ironic that I that we're on the same page with the Misfits as someone who's in. A, like sort of known as me, meaning I'm not the biggest Misfits fan yet. Somehow you and I are on the same page with them. Anyway, well, I like I just I think I like uh, you know I probably feel the same way about them as most people do about no I don't know I, I just I've always liked I've always loved the Misfits, but I've never been able to like join the cult. Yeah, I gotcha. Very much the same. Yeah. Um, but you know, that being said, I, I do think they're amazing. Uh, do you want me to take the next point? Yeah, go cool. rip chords. Again, this seminal band comes up <laughs> a very important band in the history I love, of Canada. I love that it came up. It's actually come up only, I think on one other episode, maybe at I, least one, but yeah, at least, maybe a couple. I think at least a couple because I think it came up. Maybe on the King Con episode, but definitely came up on the uh, DJ NDN episode. Yes, yeah, where we, uh, there was a, a thing we put up a link to. Uh, he mentions the, oh, well, I don't know what the singer's name of Rip Chords is, but anyway, he's like on a background in a news show and he kept getting like noticed for being yeah. the punk guy on the news show. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, we, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Rip Chords are great. Yeah, like a band that once again is like not, unfortunately not, you know, remembered enough, I don't think, or not talked about enough, but certainly has played a significant role in a couple, you know, more than a couple people's lives, certainly a couple of different musicians' lives. Yeah, agreed. I think what it is, is I think it's like they're, they're, um, I don't know, my view of it at least, perhaps being a little too close to it, being, I mean, I'm not, don't live in Montreal, never have, but we're near enough that we, our familiarity is probably a little bit, um, 
biased in a sense, but I, I find that they're like uh, they're very strong regionally. So I'm not um, um, I'm not surprised that a lot more people don't talk about them out of area. But for me, they're like uh, I don't know if this is perhaps like out on a limb here, but for me, I've always viewed them as like the uh, the bunch of fucking goofs of like Montreal or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I'd say mind yeah. you, I believe later, mind you, but because it looks like they're from, or maybe not, about the same era. No, a little later, a little I guess, later, yeah. technically speaking. But uh, same kind of thing. And musically, you know, like not completely dissimilar, but not sonically the exact same page. Um, certainly. Exactly. And, yeah. Totally. Uh, but you know, I like. I just feel there's such a, a place in this country, speaking about Canada, for some sort of way for these bands to be given, you know, uh, context in a musical landscape, other than this show. <laughs> you mean you want more than this show? Yeah. Well, I'd love a radio show, Chris. Uh, I'd love a chance to play some of these records for people. But, uh, but you know, short of that until yeah. that point. You know, like, I don't know, I was just in England. It would be, uh... I was just in England. There's BBC documentaries about fucking everything. You know, and why can't we have... <laughs> true. CBC, and why can't we have CBC documentaries about some of this stuff? Well, you, you have to do them. That's the sad... That's the, that's the reality, really. Is that that's the way that will happen. Well, I'd have to make the CBC sympathetic to hear my pitches on them. But I don't think that's happening yet. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? I'll never be surprised as to what will come to light eventually. But yeah, I'm with you on the set. Like we we lament bands like this all of the time. I think um, Ripcords for me were like, like an early. I, I I got into them in the mid, probably early to mid '90s, because they actually had video play on Much Music here in Canada. Um, they had a video for "Lose Yourself Completely" in the Idol Worship of Elvira from their "Ain't No H" and Ripcords Dick. Oh, sorry, dick face, dork face, uh, from 1992, which I still believe I own, and uh, that song is actually great. But um, yeah, like I don't, I think it's the thing that I'm more scared about that people don't know them in in the modern context is that I don't know where you would hear them as easily as you would have then. You know, like when I remember seeing that video, yeah, or what have you. That's the thing. Like, yes, you're. There's a saturation of information out there, and, and sort of theoretically things are a lot more easily accessible. But it's like some stuff like this I find like without like a context or something, or without a certain uh, I don't know trumpet, it seems to get ignored. So that's that's where I'm kind of with you and the fact that they've they've been a little bit uh, I don't know maybe Montreal though they are you know everybody remembers it because it seems like anybody who's touched Montreal that you've interviewed definitely is. You know, this is they know this. This is like the foundation. A lot of them. Yeah, and I just, I just would love to kind of have that put into one place. And I guess that's what this podcast is. So maybe I'm just wishing for this thing. <laughs> no fair. It's it's fair to wish for. Um, yeah. Uh, your point, Chris. All right, my point. Um, I would like to talk about Glenn Danzig's Black Araya. Have yes. you ever heard that record, Damien? The classical one. Okay. This is my second hot take of the week. This is my real hot take of the week. This is the best Danzig thing that he's ever done. And I mean that legitimately, and I always felt that way. Uh, it's a great record. 
Uh, I know you're going to disagree with me, Damien. It's not punk, but it is a great, great record. And uh, most people, I don't believe, and maybe I'm underestimating the people I've encountered that are big misfit Stanzig people, but um, most people I know haven't really heard it. And uh, I had a sort of fanatical friend way back when, and he... He's who I first heard it from, and I was really, really impressed by it. And I've always felt that it was uh, my favorite thing. My, having said that, um, I'm not the biggest Misfits fan in the world, but um, yeah, I really like that record. I don't know if uh, I don't know if it's has it. I don't even know what if it's in, you know in press or however you say that. But yeah, like um, I never thought to look up yeah. whether or not it's like something. Yeah, I don't know. Like I remember hearing the CD way back when. Looks like an LP actually did exist in '92, and it was reissued in in the mid 2000s only on CD. So yeah, it's um, Plan Nine reissued the LP way back, and it is not terribly expensive, thankfully. So maybe I will be buying that in my future. Um, but it, well, it's funny because uh, yeah, you and it's Elisa, a classical. Oh, sorry, sorry. What? No, I was going to say you and Elisa both don't like. Or not the biggest Misfits fans, admittedly, and both of you seem to love this record. Yeah, I think she seems to have a more formal background listening to classical music. I don't have that, but mm-hmm. I like a lot of like strange music regardless. But I do think this record is legitimately excellent, and it is, for me, it should be like the, the highlight of the Danzig resume, but most people don't either know it or don't think about it. Um Having said that, the, the early Danzig solo records are excellent. But um, anyway, I just really like it. I just wanted to make sure to point out that people should check that record out if you have not. It's excellent, and uh, it's not to be ignored. Yeah, well, he also wrote uh, 13, too, for uh, Johnny Cash, right? Like this. I never knew that. Okay. Yeah, a great song uh, that, that he actually, like, and I don't think he's... He might do it on some record, but it was written like actually for Johnny Cash on one of the America records. Cool. Um, you know, yeah. So it's, I think if the world, I think there's a. Sorry, go on. No, 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 go on. I was gonna say like uh, my point, I guess, is what I'm trying to make really quickly is that I think most people have this. You know, if you're not in the camp of, of the misfits, you know, like the cult of the misfits or whatever, a cult of Danzig. Most people have a perception of Danzig as, as one thing. And I think that this record, although it speaks to a lot of elements that he is kind of known for and that sort of as well, but this to me is what can sell the non Danzig fans, so to speak, I would hope because it did me big time. That's where I'm coming from. Yeah. Like, I think, I think you're probably right. Like this would, and I think 13, you know, like that Johnny Cash song, you know, like, I think that's the thing about Danzig. He is, like, you know, from a, a lot of accounts, maybe not the easiest person to get along with. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, you know, that being said, he is a genius. Like, there's no way to describe, like, that level of music ability uh, than to say. And it was, like, right from the get-go. Like, like, you, like listen to She and, like, listen to, like, the early, like, Misfits stuff, Who Killed Marilyn. It's, like, crazy the stuff this guy can write. Yeah, agreed. I I would definitely give him credit. Again, not the biggest fan of some of his things, but yeah, I, I fully agree with that. Absolutely. Um, so is it my point now, Chris? Or yeah, roll with it. Okay, I think this is it. And should we should we call this one the one for the the night? Yeah, sure, man. Um, unless you've got another point that you want to go to. 
No, man, I'm good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you roll. Okay. So on this abbreviated version of Turn Out of Punk Footnotes, we're going to uh, end on one more point, uh, which is uh, I guess I want to talk. Oh, there's, man, there's so much to go to. And I wish we weren't doing this necessarily for in such an abbreviated form, but I think, uh, you know, given. given Given where we are, Chris, we got to do it. Uh, I'm going to say for my final point, uh, I want to talk about the, I guess the, uh, that Misfits show, and that as a kind of the culmination of, uh, got like almost punk, up to a point. Those two Misfits reunion shows. You know, I don't know. Hardcore. Well, like just like those. Talking. Yeah, like those are like kind of like penultimate moments. Like that is the largest show ever put on by a hardcore band at this point or a punk band. You're talking the, the recent ones like yeah. in the last one. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, I, cause I don't know what to frame reunion on. You mean like the legitimate, yeah, like the our legitimate OG lineup. Reunion. Sorry. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Legitimate. <clears throat> not to say that the other ones aren't legitimate, but the other, like they're not whatever, no Danzig, however you want to frame that. Yeah. Um, they're, they're not headlining to, Tens of thousands of people, you know, yes, with, with Michael Graves. Yeah, I agree. I, I, um, biggest. What was your claim? Biggest. Well, it just show seems like it might be the biggest Harper. punk show ever, right? Like, yeah. Well, I mean, be... you were you were there to know what what the attendance would have been. So well, I don't know. What. I wasn't there that day. Those were the sold out days, and that was, I believe, somewhat ten tens of thousands of people. Maybe, but I don't know what was it at. Let's look it up. <laughs> my get my 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 immediate thought is what what is the comparable group then by this standard like who who are we what like what is the metric that we're going to use here or Did the metric that you ever do Wembley Stadium? <laughs> I don't believe so. Well, cause that but be I could be wrong. Chicago Fried Fest attendance. I don't know if it's up. I don't know if they have the. <laughs> It was sold out, and I, I don't know how many, dude, I believe it was yeah. well over 10,000 people. I'm just, yeah, I think biggest, that the size of that is, is easy to wrap my head around. I'm just trying to think of something comparable of a band that, of, of that ilk, that may have been bigger on a one-off event, but you're right, I can't think of anything. Even stuff like the Sex Pistols, I don't know how big those weird reunion shows they did even in the early 90s were yeah um and that you and again that's a bit of a different animal we're comparing like it's in the same ballpark but it's i do uh even i would say it's not really fair to compare because you could say things like uh you know whatever the clash sold out some huge venue in new york i can't remember which one it's in the documentary westway i can't recall but anyway and so like but they're not. I wouldn't consider the clash of the same kind of like, you know, sonic trajectory as Misfits. So even that's not a fair comparison. Um, yeah, I don't. I'm trying to think of a of a punk band that's bigger, like, than the Misfits that came out of that. Hmm. Dead Kennedys. None of those shows were bigger. Black Flag. None of those no, shows. No. Like maybe something probably, in, probably. like, like you know. Maybe something in South America. The Ramones' last show was like fifty thousand people, right? Yeah. In okay. in, in Argentina, is that the right? The, the was that the one I'm thinking of? 
Buenos Aires. Oh no, you got me there. Um, but you, you got me there. I don't know. But having said that, if the Misfits played there, I'm sure it would be huge too. Yeah, yeah. The Mis- that's the thing is, the Misfits are that big. You know, like that's. Yeah, I do. I think though. I think it would be fair to suggest that they would probably be the biggest draw of any band of that ilk or since because of sort of that that cult that surrounds them. So mm-hmm. they could kind of probably play anywhere and draw bigger than, if if not at all, certainly most of, of the bands, like the Golden Age bands, so to speak. Well, that's it, right? Like, this is the end. Like, there's no, you know, like the Smiths, and I, get, I don't think the Smiths are bigger if they get back together. Like, I don't think there's anything as big, you know, like barring, you know, ABBA. You know, obviously that's going to be bigger if that were to happen. <laughs> I think, though, yeah, it, when you're comparing, like, like when you're talking legitimate, like, roots in punk and hardcore, yeah, the, the, the uh, popularity that, that this group has, although admittedly I, I believe they've transcended this, so I don't think it's entirely appropriate to, to frame them that way these days. But, yeah, you're, you're definitely correct. I can't think of a band that's more popular or bigger that's – that's sort of done it really on their own terms as well, actually. Yeah. Which speaks to a lot, even if it's, even if it's stuff that I'm not necessarily a fan of everything. I do give, you know, credit where it's due, where, yeah, they've never really... I mean, even the later stuff, they had to change vocalists, but stylistically, it's, you know, it doesn't sound like the first things they ever did, but it, it sounds in keeping with what they were doing. I don't think it was ever like, you know, Whoa. like a... You know, they don't have that blemish record or whatever, to me, anyway. Yeah, well, it also begs the question, and Tristan actually brought this up when I was talking to him on the phone today. Given where Danzig goes with what he does musically, and given what Doyle says on this podcast about hating punk and certainly really not liking hardcore, uh, is Jerry only the (laughs) punk guy in The Misfits? (laughs) <laughs> that's the question well wasn't that alluded to in the you did an interview with uh i want to say her name's priya do i have yeah, that right yeah yeah and that's what priya says too she alluded to that he was into sort of the more bubblegum stuff so perhaps he is the that guy maybe that's where that comes from yeah like i wonder because it's like there there had to be someone there that was like you know, and, I, and and Tristan says that he heard an interview Jer- Jerry talk about wanting to be a punk band, all this kind of stuff. So, and like, look at the people he surrounded himself <laughs> with. He surrounded himself with a guy from Black Flag, and a guy from the Ramones. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I, I'm. We won't know till you interview, but uh, that yeah. would be my suspicion right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess um, unless there's anything else, Chris, is that it for tonight? I guess just one final, extremely brief note. Please, the fact that you brought up you, you, the fact that you brought up antidote and nothing was like <laughs> you didn't bite on anecdote. Antidote just blew my mind. But anyway, oh, the I fact that you said they sucked. Well. But uh, yeah, that record rules and that band was incredible. But anyway, yeah, well, yeah, like or when he talked about wanting to kill the guy from genocide. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was interesting as well. <laughs> but see, I think that's kind of one of those things where it's like when you're close to it, it's a whole different thing. When you're like amongst that community, legitimately, there's a whole other angle that we don't see. At least I don't. Yeah. Um, 
when anyway, he, I just thought that was funny. But yeah, that's my that's my little end note. <laughs> when he openly just outright dismissed antidote, like out of hand, I was like, I'm not going to go to insane. Any, yeah. yeah, I'm not going to go to any more of these paths. I'm not going to ask him about any more of these pants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, I was just, yeah, I was blown away by that. I was very amused by it, though, to be fair, but I was just absolutely blown away. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Well, if you want to get in touch with us, how do they get in touch with us, Chris? Turned out a punk footnotes at gmail.com. And if you want to get in touch with me on any form of social media, at Lefford Damien. Hit us up on Facebook, Turned Out a Punk, uh, and uh, on Tumblr if you don't use Facebook. And once again, head over to Damien Abraham and pick up your tickets for those shows because I'm coming to your area. And I will see you at Sound on Sound this weekend in just outside of Austin, Texas. Uh, and we will have a good time. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye.